mindfulness mode. Just take action. Like, don't overthink about it. Don't let your fears give you all the reasons why you shouldn't do things. Take action, learn, grow, fall on your butt, pivot. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness here on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Mindful Tribe, we have a very dynamic entrepreneur here with us today. He's a speaker, he's a life coach, he's even a happiness expert. And I'm excited to talk to him about mindfulness. He he had a delivery startup that he sold for uh, a high value. And he's done a lot in this entrepreneur space. And he's also a dancer. I saw him on a, on a video where he was just pulling out all the stops and doing some great dancing. And now he's dedicated to helping other people become entrepreneurs of what he calls is the most important business you'll ever run your life so that's pretty cool so so i'm here with will moore hey will are you in mindfulness mode today you better believe it 100 percent ready to party let's do it i'm excited thanks for having me on that's great i am so excited to talk to you yeah i i was looking over your website and you've done a lot you've got a lot of things that you do to help other people what does mindfulness mean to you will uh, well, you know, mindfulness to me is it's being aware of yourself. It's being aware of the world around you, being aware of others and not just having it be me, me, me. Um, it ties into the mindset for me, victim versus owner, I, or as I call it, fixed victim versus growth owner, um, making sure that you have that, that growth owner mindset of you. Um, we're born a certain way, but that doesn't mean that you can't grow, evolve and become whatever you want. Obstacles are temporary roadblocks waiting for solutions. And you're going to kick ass, take names on your journey, becoming bigger, better, faster, smarter. And versus, you know, that fixed victim who's just, you know, poor me, something bad happens and I'm stupid. I'm dumb. Life sucks. It's not fair. All these things, um, which isn't going to get you anywhere in life. Yeah, that, that happens to a lot of people. Well, I know that you're all about science and technology. Your mission is to combine universal principles with the latest in science and technology to help you become an entrepreneur of what you have said. And I already said earlier, the most important business you'll ever run your life. So tell us about the science and tech part. Have you always been fascinated with science and tech? Yeah, I have. Um, I've always been a gadgety guy. When I was a kid, I always wanted like the late, you know, back back then it was the Sony Walkman. I remember that big yellow square thing came out and everybody was like, whoa, you can play tapes and on the go and be mobile versus, you know, in your car and, uh, you know, or at your house. And then, you know, over the, over the years, just any tech gadget that came out, I was just always fascinated. I was just always a tech kid. And then when the iPhone came out, it like blew my mind. And I was like, whoa, it helped. actually built a business around that. My delivery business, restaurant, uh, doorstep delivery, uh, incorporated these phones because our drivers who would do the deliveries, they would get the order sent to their phone and it would tell them where to go, what restaurant to go, what the order was to pick up, and then what address they were going to deliver it to. So it was extremely helpful in boosting our footprint and allowing us to expand a lot quicker um, versus when we actually the very first 
six months we started, the iPhone hadn't really taken off yet. It had just come out and we were doing like 95% of our orders over the phone. And then by the time we sold our business, it was 95% of the orders were over the, the, the mobile phones. And so was that business confined to certain cities or was it widespread? How did that work? Yeah. So we were, at, it was, you do it per city. So Orlando's where I was living. I'm in Chicago now. That was our biggest, it was our flagship market. Um, and then we had 19 other branches throughout the country, mainly the Southeast. So Florida was our biggest market. We had a lot of branches in Florida, like Miami, Tampa, um, Fort Lauderdale, Jacksonville, Gainesville, Tallahassee. Um, and it was basically, yeah, each one was kind of its own little satellite satellite market where we would, you know, market partner with certain restaurants in that area market and let everybody know that we were, you know, what we were doing. And then people would just go online or on their phone and they would just basically choose the restaurant they wanted, place the order that they wanted. It would come to us. And then we would basically do all the behind the scenes. Like I was just saying to send it to the driver, he would go pick it up and deliver it. And voila, hot, fresh food delivered to your doorstep. Pretty nice. And when you created that business, were you hoping that one day you would sell the business as it was? Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely went into that business saying, you know, we want to grow this thing and exit at some point. Um, I didn't know how long of a time frame it would be. It ended up being about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it probably could have gone on a little bit longer had it not been for the stiff competition from companies like Grubhub and Uber Eats and DoorDash and these big guys with billions of dollars that were coming in and we knew that it was only a matter of time before they stole the market share away from us because we were bootstrapped. We didn't raise money. We did it ourselves um, and we were actually profitable. And these, these companies were losing money hand over fist to gain market share. So we knew we couldn't compete with that. So mm-hmm. we decided to exit. I see. And so what other ventures into entrepreneurism have you experienced? What, what other businesses did you have? So I actually have have done a few different things. Uh, real estate's been a big part of my life ever since I was, so I read a book called books, self-help books at certain times in my life. I've been very fortunate as <laughs> my son in the background have been very fortunate to um, come to me at the right times. And so when I was about 22, I read a book called uh, ha- uh, think and grow rich by Napoleon Hill. Right. Uh, excuse me. Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And then right after I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Uh-huh. And both those books together, speaking of mindset and mindfulness, the Napoleon Hill's book was all about the mindset of, of making money. And it really is a mindset. It's like that old adage, you can give somebody a million bucks, but if they don't know how to use it, it'll be gone in a week. You can give somebody who doesn't have a million bucks uh, or, or you can take a million bucks away from somebody that knows how to make it and it'll be back in a week. I mean, that's an exaggeration, but you get the gist. Yeah. Um, right. And so I read those two books and then, and then the Robert Kiyosaki, uh, think, think and grow rich kind of really talked about that passive income, how to have your money working for you, whether you're working for it or not. Um, you know, and just really kind of got my mind going in that. And, you know, there's different avenues for it. Real estate was kind of his main focus. That's what I decided to focus on. So I started acquiring rental properties around my alma mater, Rollins College in Winter Park, Florida. Started mm-hmm. buying properties um, very slowly, one at a time, fixing them up and renting them out to students. And then that just grew 
um, over the years into about 12 properties that I rented out primarily to students. And it was my business called Rollins Rentals that I actually ended up doing with a, a fraternity brother of mine from Rollins. And that was also a great business that I did all the way through when I was doing doorstep delivery. I did it on the side as well. I see. So do you still own those properties? Most of them. Yeah, I sold a couple, but I still have 10 of them. Ah, good. And they're still in Florida. And what would what would draw you to Chicago? So my wife got into Northwestern and to become a physical therapist. And she's got a twin sister that lives here. Um, and her parents are close by. So the short version is happy wife, happy life. <laughs> she, wanted, <laughs> she wanted to be close to her family. She wanted to go to Northwestern. I was just in the process of selling the business. So it, nothing was technically keeping me in Florida anymore. So here we are. I never would have thought five years ago I'd, I'd have ended up here in Chicago. But Right. There's a big difference from Chicago to yeah, Florida. <laughs> big weather difference for sure. It's a great city, though. I, they both have their pluses and minuses, but they're oh, yeah. great cities. Yeah, Chicago is a terrific city uh, for sure. So your website is moremomentum.com, M-O-O-R-E, momentum.com and when you go to that website you find a quiz and i discover that you have an app tell us about the quiz and what you can learn by going on your quiz yeah so you and i were talking very briefly before this unfortunately right now it's down so if anybody's listening to this um hopefully by the time that, well this will come out later so yeah it will uh, yeah, the quiz is just, it, it, so these five cores, mo- mo- momentum, it's all about building momentum in these, in the main areas of your life. I break them into these five core areas. It's your mindset, it's your career and your finances, it's your relationships, it's your physical health, and it's your emotional health and giving back. And in order for us to be our bestest, awesomest, most greatest selves, um, happiest selves, we need to continually, I found, be building momentum in each of them, taking action and improving, replacing our failure habits with what I call success habits in order to, you know, kind of get on autopilot in some of these areas and make sure that you're, you're balancing them and, and heading in the right direction. Um, and so the quiz just kind of helps you to take a 10,000 foot view to sort of see where you currently stand in each of these areas. It's, it's a brief quiz that asks you some questions and you can very quickly identify what area you're weakest in, which will be the one that you want to get to work on first. And I love the idea of your app. It's all about gamifying your life. And on the website, you said, you know, when you were a kid, you woke up every day full of wonder and enthusiasm, ready to take on the day, knowing that anything was possible. And then by the time you hit college, you had kind of changed and you were sort of convinced that the world was out to get you and that there was nothing you could really do about it. So tell us how the app can help counter that kind of transition. So it all goes, it, it, what I've learned over the years, as I said, you know, I, I love self-help books. I've always been an insatiable self-help beast, so to speak. And I've always taken crazy notes and along the way, I've been writing down what works, what doesn't, um, sort of testing, testing things. And if I've read it several times and in different ways, and then I've tried it myself, I'm like, okay, this is what I consider a universal principle. This is something that's been around since the beginning of time. It'll be around until we destroy ourselves, right? And uh, you can kind of hang your hat on it. And so to me, that those are the those are what you want to take action on. Especially this day and age, it's very hard to know what to take action on with everything coming at us from news, media, parents, friends, peers. Um, 
And it's sort of like, well, what am, what is, what is the right path? What is going to make me happy? And so I've kind of based the app sort of takes all that information and says, okay, here's your five core areas. You're a rocket ship. You've got your five cylinders of your engine. So it's gamified. It's fun. It's, it doesn't feel like homework, like all these other, there's other habit apps out there, but nothing doing it the way that I'm doing it. Um, because you're actually in order to get off the ground to begin with, you have to start building momentum in each of these core areas. And you start small, you start in just one area. And basically it's the habits that you've created in each of these. And the idea is you want to start eliminating those failure habits and replacing them with those success habits one at a time, slowly but surely. And you don't want to focus on just one area, like your physical health. That's great. If you get, a, if you spend like, you know, you see some of these like workout junkies and, but then it's like, okay, are you doing that at the expense of your relationships? of your career and your finances, of your emotional health. So it's all got to kind of balance. Otherwise, you're going to fly off into the wrong direction to the wrong planet. But if you're doing it right, you're going to hit the first planet and then you're going to go to the next solar system, the next galaxy. You're going to have little encounters with aliens along the way, um, asteroid fields. You're going to fight through and have little side missions. So it's just a gamified way of helping you build that momentum in each of your course. Well, you described hitting rock bottom bounce early in your life. Tell us about that. So, yeah, when I was in college, as I, you know, as, as you were kind of alluding to earlier, I, I, I kind of gotten to the point where I was your typical victim. Sure. that life was out to get me. I, my mom was an alcoholic growing up and she was abusive. My parents divorced early. They were hippies and I ended up, we, we moved around a lot. I was actually born in California. Then I lived in Hawaii until I was seven. Then we moved to Bethesda, Maryland um dc and so i just never felt like i really fit in and it all culminated kind of in college and i didn't get into the fraternity like everybody else on my entire um hallway did and i was kind of again that victim like putting all my hopes and dreams into just get if i could just get in there then everything would be great and i'd be happy uh and then when i didn't i was like oh i'm a loser i'm a failure and so that's when i, I serendipitously discovered this book one of my professors recommended called uh, how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. And that just really just flipped the script on my mindset and saying, okay, there's a different way to look at things. And it didn't happen overnight, but that's when I was, as I was saying earlier, became this insatiable self-help beast and just started slowly rebuilding myself. And I made a commitment to sort of rebuild myself from scratch because I didn't like who I'd become. And that's basically what I've done over the last 25 years. Well, it sounds like you've done an amazing job. You've really taken life and you've you've grabbed it and you've moved forward and you've really been very intentional about some of the things that you've done in your life. And I know that you really believe in habit, the power of habit. Tell us about your habits and the habits that you've implemented in your life that have really moved you forward. So, yeah, I mean, habits they really are everything. First of all, let me just say habits don't care if they're good or bad, helping or hurting us. They're going to do their thing. They're going to take their toll on us over time. I have what I call this, the equation of life, which is your belief system plus your repeated actions plus time equals who you will become. Um, in other words, kind of what you what you think, the thoughts, what you're basing your actions on, and then you take those actions and then time's going to do its thing. And so if you're taking, if you've got a broken belief system, and you're taking the wrong types of actions, you're going to become less happy. You're going to be building negative momentum. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's all about basically making sure that you're step-by-step step 
moving in the right direction one day at a time. And I'm sorry, what was the exact Well, just about habits and how you use habits right. in your life. And so, right. So for me, um, you know, I've got a list of habits that I actually have an Excel sheet, which is what ended up being the basis for the app that I'm creating. I've had my own system for years where I literally have a, a spreadsheet that has each of my cores at the bottom. And then you, you click on each one of the tabs and then within it, it has the habits that I'm working on in each whether the ones that I want to stop or the ones that I want to um, start or replace them with. And I just tackle them one at a time. And then as I, as you evolve and you grow and you start to get momentum, I can actually, now I can work on multiple ones at the same time, but uh, my system and what I help people with is to make sure they start small one at a time. But yeah, I mean, so basically the idea is that I've each, each one of these habits. So for instance, physical health, one of my habits would be making sure that I'm moving a minimum of, you know, 20 to 30 minutes a day, getting some sort of exercise, whatever, whatever it is. And I always recommend to people, make sure you're reducing the friction on that by not doing something that you hate. Don't feel like you have to go for a run or you have to get on the bike. If you don't like that, figure out something that you like. So for instance, in quarantine right now, uh, I had to quit my gym because it was just too risky. I got two small kids. So now I do push-ups with them. They hop on my back. I'm, I'm doing these with them and, 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 you know, it's, so I'm actually habit stacking. I'm combining two different habits, uh, and two different cores, my relationship core, I'm spending time with them and we're having fun and my physical health core and I'm combining them and I'm actually getting a workout and enjoying myself and spending quality time with my kids. as well. That's really smart. That's really smart. What's the toughest habit you ever quit? So I would say that the one that I'm probably most proud of that I think I've, I've gotten I've pretty much mastered, although, you know, I'm human and there's always days would be just negative thoughts, mm -hmm. um, thought stopping and, and, and replacing that hat, that thought when it starts to creep in, just cutting it at the root and saying, you're not welcome here. You're not, gonna, you're not doing me any good. You're the, you're the fixed victim in me trying to come back through. And, you know, my growth owner is going to, going to punch you in the face and take over. And, you know, back, like I said, when I was in college, that, that was pretty much 99% of my thoughts were those like negative ones. And now I would say, you know, the major vast majority of my thoughts are, are okay. Even if I fail or even if something happens, okay, what, what have I learned here? And it doesn't feel good in the moment. It's not like I'm like welcoming, you know, like, Oh yeah, I failed. But if something happens, it's like, okay, it's how quick you get back up. Right. It's like, okay, yeah. that hurt. And, but now, now what, well, what did I get from that? How can I become bigger, better, faster, smarter from that? And that just changed, just having that, you know, that, that, that mindset, like I said, that growth owner, having, having that kind of in your pocket and it's an amazing shift in your life because life goes from doom and gloom to there's nothing I can do. And I hope I hit the lottery one day and somebody saves me um, to sort of like, okay, I'm on this journey and it's going to not going to be easy, but I'm going to learn and I'm going to figure it out along the way. And each step of the way, I'm going to, I'm going to grow and become a better person from it. That's awesome. I want to ask you about any positive habits that you've implemented in your life that have to do with food or water consumption. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, going back to the physical health core, yeah. uh, this is, you know, my, my sidekick here. I drink a uh, couple of these a day. Um, my, my insulated water bottle. So would here. that be a couple of liters a day? Is that like about a gallon or something? Yeah, this is, uh, it's 
good question. I, I, I'll, I'll admit I don't track as closely as some people. All I know yeah. is two of these a day is, is good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know the, so these people looking. Is this video also? Yeah, it's video, but a lot of people will listen to this on audio yeah. only. So so. It's, yeah, right. So it's about maybe this is two liters. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's probably less than two liters, but yeah. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, you know better than me. Um, yeah. And then eating wise, oh yeah. So I I'm a midnight snacker. I love oh, yeah. to get my cookies and my Doritos, and that was a habit for years when I was younger. I could get away mm -hmm. with. And as I said though, you know, your habits over time compound. They become who you are. And so at a certain stage, I realized I can't keep doing this, and so I had to kind of switch that. And now you know what I did is I replaced um, Atomic Habits. James Clear has a great uh, James Clear has a great book called Atomic Habits. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and he talks about, you know, reducing the friction by making it obvious, making it obvious for the things that you want to do and making it invisible for the things you don't want to do. So a perfect example is getting rid of the Doritos and the cookies, making them invisible where they're literally not there. So you don't have the option and putting things that I do like. So I have, I'm a big nut eater. I eat lots of different nuts. I like almonds. I like pistachios. I like uh, walnuts. Uh, mixed nuts. Uh, and so that's kind of become my go-to snack. And, you know, at first I was like, ah, it's not quite as satisfying as the cookies and the, and the others. But now it not only is it as satisfying, it's more satisfying because honestly, I know that it's, it's fulfilling that, that, that craving in me, but it's also, I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm helping my body. I'm building positive momentum with my physical health. And this feels good. So it actually feels good versus the old me, the guilt after I'd eat it. I'd be like, oh, why did I eat that? Right. I'm going to cut in here, Mindful Tribe. I'm talking to you if you've been trying and trying to lose weight. Maybe you're feeling it's hopeless. Maybe you're discouraged. Maybe you've tried so many times to shed those extra pounds. Well, you know what? It's not hopeless. You can do it. I coach people just like you. I'm a practicing hypnotist. And just so you know, thousands of people have lost weight with the help of hypnosis. You will get results. You see, I personally lost 35 pounds and I've kept it off with the help of hypnosis. Using mindfulness and hypnosis, I will help you feel good and look good. And you deserve that. You deserve to be able to look in the mirror at yourself and feel fantastic about what you see. You deserve to lose that weight. Believe it. Now, take action. Go to mindfulnessmode.com slash weight loss. Sign up to watch my free short video and get my five tips on how to lose weight for good. Don't put it off. Go to mindfulnessmode.com slash weight loss. And now back to the show. Yeah. And do you like to eat seeds as well? I know I, I like Love sunflower seeds, seeds and, and sesame, you know, different kinds of seeds. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And again, reducing friction, whatever it is to you, everybody has different taste buds. So right. I'm telling you what works for me. Go out, figure out. There's so many choices now that you can, like, there's no excuse to say, well, you know, this tastes good. And, and so I'm, you know, that's the fixed victim in you to just be like, well, there's nothing else that really can, can quench that. I promise there is something that that's out there that 
it, at first it may not taste quite as good, but your taste buds may go, Ooh, this is pretty darn good. And what's going to happen is your mind is going to kind of, you're going to fake it till you make it. You're going to keep eating it until at a certain point, it's going to go, like I was just saying, this is not only as good, but better than the previous. Yeah. So Will, I want to ask you what your kids have taught you about mindfulness. Oh, my kids, little geniuses. So yeah, they, um, I would say that, you know, watching them kind of like my whole theme and what you were saying earlier in terms of, you know, making sure that what I'm trying to help people with is get back to the fun and the play and the wonder and the passion of when we were kids, when none of this stuff was on our, our shoulders and the world hadn't kind of the broken system hadn't stepped in and sort of caused us to, to have, um, you know, uh, maybe a, a, that fixed victim mindset and see the world through a certain lens and think that if I can only make enough money, if I can only have the right girlfriend, if I can only this, that, then I'd be happy. But kids don't think that way, right? They, no. it's just, it's, it's full time. Today's going to be the best day ever. And I'm going to play till I drop and I'm going to squeeze every little ounce out of the day. And I just, I can't tell you how, cool it is to see especially with what i'm doing now and i'm writing about all this stuff and i'm watching it like with my with my eyes i have a four and a half year old and i've got an 18 month old so it's like perfect timing to see these things and they're just these little balls of joy you know and just constantly huge smiles on their face of course they get hurt they cry but then they get over it pretty quickly it's like okay that sucked but you know again it's like they they naturally are growth owners they naturally have that and at some point it fades away. And so watching them and seeing that it's just a great reminder to me. And it's helped with a lot of the things I've written about and, and how I've incorporated it with my system to, to remind people that that's in everybody still, it's not gone. It's just, it's just temporarily been displaced. So do you have a daily routine that you can share with us? Like maybe a morning routine, oh, or yeah. a nighttime routine. Tell us what you have in your life every day. So routines are super important. Routines to me, they're just, they're just habits combined into a larger thing, right? So my yeah. morning routine, so, so again, it's all about habits. So my morning routine involves several habits. So I wake up and by the way, this all changed. Um, it, it used to be, I would wake up and I would read the, the news on my phone and I'd be immediately put in a bad mood because depending on what side you stand politically, you're not going to be happy most of the time. No. And you're going to get angry and you're going to start. So now, you know, I, I use an app called Flipboard. Um, I do still go on Apple News here and there, but I, I careful what I click on. Um, but there's an app called Flipboard where you can actually select the types of things that you want to see. And I, I choose like personal development and I choose, you know, the types of things that excite me. And, and I like like video games and, and technology, as I said, still interested in. So I, that's one of them. And so I see that stuff versus... The other stuff right and then so and i'm kind of waking up i can't just jump out of bed like i used to so i do that for five or ten minutes and kind of let my eyes adjust to life um and then i go downstairs and i make my my shake my coffee shake so i combine again i, I combine two things my coffee along with my protein my spinach um i've got this super green food that i put in there um and and some peptides collagen peptides and some, and then I take my vitamins. And so I'm drinking my shake on the couch while reading. And then I get out whatever book I'm reading. And mm -hmm. I usually read for 10 to 15 minutes and, or I'll rotate in sometimes if I know I have some emails that I didn't get to the night before on my nightly routine, which is usually try to get through whatever 
remaining emails I have so that I don't wake up and feel overwhelmed. But if I haven't, then I'll usually do that. And so by the time I finish my coffee and my shake, I'm like, okay, I feel good. I'm ready to start the day. Clean slate, got a little boost from the book or whatever. Um, and then I go upstairs, I have my, I take my shower and basically I have it stacked in my shower as well, where I have a mantra that I say to myself. And while I'm doing that, I'm actually doing stretches. I tore my, uh, Achille, my excuse me, my ACL and ruptured my meniscus, ruptured my ACL, tore my meniscus uh, about a year and a half ago. And because of that, I have to do these, these stretches to make sure that it doesn't atrophy back. And at first it was really annoying. This is a perfect example of the growth owner mindset, right? At first I was like, oh, this is not like, why me? But then I was like, you know what? It is what it is. And so now I do... I do these stretches while I'm saying my mantra. I time them together. So I come out of the shower and my mantra, by the way, is something that I've been creating over the last 20 years or so. It's just literally something I've memorized that is covers the five cores and covers the exact things that I know I want to work on to become the best version of myself personally. So everybody's mantra is going to be personalized. And can you share that mantra with us? Absolutely. Yeah. So I have it memorized, but I'm, I'm on the spot nervous right now. So here, yeah. let, me, let me try it. Today will be filled with love, growth, and opportunity. I've been blessed with unique strengths that I will use to help fulfill my purpose and will take the actions to form the success habits in the five main areas of my life. I will review my habits and goals, updating and prioritizing to ensure momentum. I will not put off tomorrow what can be done today and will avoid time wasters that don't contribute to my growth. If I make a commitment, I will stick to it because my integrity depends on it. The five percenters do what the 95 percenters are unwilling to. I'm an owner of my life, not a victim. Every choice and action I take will either take me up or down my success ladder. When uncertain, I will, I will say, what would the principal centered me do? I will welcome fear because it signals an opportunity for growth. I won't hesitate. I will act because fear freezes. And if I'm not growing, I'm dying. I will ask myself, what's the worst that could happen and what benefits I would get from overcoming this fear. I will fail beautifully, embracing and learning from my mistakes because they are mandatory for growth and won't waste the second dwelling on the past. Pain and sadness is temporary, but necessary to experience the great joys of life and often comes just before greatness. Without the bitter, the sweet just ain't as sweet. My persistence is stronger than any setback and obstacles are temporary roadblocks waiting for solutions. Where there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> I, I, I am in control of my emotions and will be aware of the emotions of others. Everyone has their own issues and agenda, so to react to negativity is a lose-lose. If I have a weak moment, I will immediately apologize. Deep breath, count to six, and feel my entire body relax. I am... Everyone on this earth is here to love and support me, and I will return the favor to ensure fulfilled relationships and gain allies. Focusing only on myself and fear of being judged will keep me a victim. I will listen with empathy, I won't interrupt, and I will always think win-win. Today, I will be the best husband, father, friend, and man I can be. I will help others become the best version of themselves, who will in turn pay it forward to help the world become the best version of itself. I will live today to the fullest with no regrets, slowing down to enjoy each moment because tomorrow will be gone forever. I will laugh, dance, sing, and incorporate my passions, letting my human spirit burst through in bright, bold, beautiful colors. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. Well, I've never That's... done that on command like that. I do it in my shower every morning. 
Yeah. I've never actually said it out loud. Like I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I was, I didn't mess it up too much. So you usually don't speak it out loud. You usually speak it in your mind. Is no, I meant to, I meant like to a, anyone else. Like, no, I do. I do. I tr sometimes I speak it out loud, but then I, I try to remember to force myself to say it out loud because yeah. I actually think it's more powerful when I say it out loud. So that was probably longer than you were expecting, but my stretches, um, I've got to do, there's quite a few stretches I have to do. So I'm literally stretching as I'm doing that. And then by the time I finish and then I finish it with what I'm grateful for. And I usually finish with, I'm grateful for my family, their health and mine, my creativity and unique lens through which I see the world and my grit, determination and persistence. So those are always the three that I do. And then I'll like do one offs. Like I'll, I'll be like, what am I grateful for today? And I'll try to like come up with a new one just to kind of, so it doesn't get too stale. But you know, it's the, and when I come out of that shower after saying that and doing, I mean, I feel like Superman, like I'm oh, ready to go. Great. And then I brush my teeth. I floss, which is another thing I just started doing in the last five years that I didn't used to do. And I had to force myself. And again, habits don't care if they're good or bad, helping or hurting us. I didn't used to. And then, I, and I always had perfect teeth and the dentist was like, Oh, you're good. You know, make sure you're flossing. I was like, yeah, yeah. And I never did, but he would always tell me I had great teeth. And then one day he's like, oh, you got a cavity. I was like, okay, it caught me. And so I've ever since then I've, I floss and you know, that's part of my routine. And then I take my, um, I put on my moisturizing cream and, you know, do the things for my skin and whatnot. And so, yeah. And then I'm, I come down to my desk, I take some deep breaths. I look at my habits list. I have a list of the top five habits that I'm currently working on my top five. Um, and I get, and I get going. That's my, my morning routine. Way to go. That's awesome. And I know that you like to dance. I mentioned that at the beginning of the show. And what do you think is the value of dancing and having that as part of your life? Is there a mindfulness element there? Um, good question. Um, you know, to me, the dancing is, it goes back to like when we're kids, that human spirit, that wonder, that passion of like not caring who's watching, right? Just like I said, my, my two kids, they, they get up and they, it's like, how much fun can we have today? They're not worried about if they're going to look silly, mm -hmm. right? They're not worried about what other people are going to think. They're worried about how can I squeeze every drop of life out of today and, and have the best day ever. And that's what that dancing video. So yeah, you go to my, my website and you click on about who is this guy. And I have a, a video of me dancing and, and looking, a lot of people would be very embarrassed to post something like that because I'm just being silly and I'm dancing. But to me, that sums up everything I'm doing. It's like, I don't care. Look, like I enjoyed that moment. I was really into it. I felt like like if I could have translated my my brain onto the screen at that point, it would have been like magic. And mm -hmm. I wish everybody could feel that. And so it's just my way of trying to get that across to people to show them like, just dance like nobody's watching. It's, it's the best feeling ever. Yeah, I thought I thought that was very cool. I thought that was a great way of showing vulnerability and that, you know, you're just being who you are. So yeah. I like that. Hey, do you have a story about bullying, Will, where maybe you were bullied when you were a kid or maybe uh, you were a bully or something? Maybe you have a story where mindfulness would have made a difference. It's great. You know, I absolutely do. I mean, this is actually, I wasn't expecting you to ask this question. This could go, we could talk about this for an hour. I'll give the short, the short version is I was very bullied as a kid. And like I said, I, by the time I got to college, I was your typical victim. A lot of that came from, from being bullied. Mm. And when I transferred from Hawaii to Bethesda, Maryland, DC, I was just this outsider. I spoke half pigeon because we were from a poor area in Hawaii. 
And I was a, called a Howley is what they call it, the locals. And I went to school where I was the only white kid. It was all locals. And um, so, I, you know, my, my, my accent and I spoke like Hawaiian slang and they call it pigeon. Um, I was just this outsider and I just never quite got my footing. And I just always felt like that. And that kind of magnified itself. And, you know, kids pick up on that. And, you know, you prey on the weak and that's just kind of the nature of the game. Mm -hmm. And so I was an easy target and I was very sensitive and always have been, which I love now at the time I would have traded my brain for anything in the world. And now I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world because it's helped me to become who I am. And I love that I have that, but you know, I, I think certain people, everybody's got different levels of sensitivity. Mine was ultra. And every little thing that was said, I would take personally and all this stuff. And so, you know, I had this group of friends that I thought were, were my friends, I should say, because I did do sports and that sort of helped get me in the mix. Um, but then there was this incident where my mother actually, when I was about 12 years old, we had a soccer team and my mom took uh, me and three other boys on the soccer team to the local pool. And one of the kids that came with us, his name was Roland Tayamu, and he was from Africa and didn't speak very good English, had kind of just transferred. He was the best kid on our team and um, jumped. Basically, we got to the pool and he just jumped right into the pool, just like all of us. And he sank right to the bottom and nobody knew that he couldn't swim. Nobody nobody had any inkling and we thought he was joking around. Right. So we didn't even like and luckily one of the other dads of one of one of my friends happened to be there and cause we were meeting up with them and, and he saw this and he jumped in rescued, brought him back to the surface, gave him mouth to mouth CPR, rescued him, basically saved his life. And my mom, meanwhile, was like nowhere to be seen. Right. Like she, I can't even remember at this point, I blocked it out. Like if she was still in the locker room or whatever, but my family was immediately, um, we, we became the, the bad, the bad guys. Right. And I was already really insecure and stuff. And it was like, my mom was kind of, you know, she was the hippie and she, I wasn't the only one that wasn't accepted. You know, my mom was not your typical soccer mom. Right. She was a hippie that moved to Bethesda, Maryland to get financial support from my, her parents. Uh, my grandfather, by the way, was a three-star general in world war two. So, you know, do the math, you know, it was an interesting dynamic where my mom and her parents didn't even necessarily get along yet. She needed the financial support. So there we were, and I'm getting, I'm seeing their side of life. And then I'm, you know, used to my side with my mom. So, and then seeing all the soccer moms and I just wanted to fit in and be like these other kids. And so that just sort of, we became the pariahs kind of, and, and that just really, I was, I felt like an outsider for years and years after that. And things just got really, really bad. And I really didn't have any friends going into college. Wow, what a story. Wow, that must have been pretty traumatic when that friend of yours sunk to the bottom of the pool. Yeah, I mean, to say the least. I mean, I mean, not only, right, you're like in shock about the whole thing, and then the next day at school, you're saying, all the kids are whispering, and you're like, what, what what's going on? And they're like, yeah, like, Mrs. Moore didn't, um, is so irresponsible that she, she didn't pay attention, and, and Nick's dad, Nick Elgin's dad had to, come in and save him. Um, it was, yeah, it was devastating. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Tough times. Well, well, as we move forward in the interview, Will, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this, who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life? 
I would say, you know, that very first book I ever read, Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People, he wrote that back in the 30s. And you read that book today and it still st stands up as he could have written it yesterday. And, you know, obviously with some of the references updated, but mm -hmm. to me, that just goes to show there's universal principles in life. And, you know, it ties into mindfulness mindset, just kind of your whole, your look on the way you, you see yourself and then your relationship with others and making sure that you're not just focusing on yourself, but that you're also making the other person feel special, asking them questions. And one thing I got from that that served me really well my whole life is, you know, just ask people questions and let them talk and they'll think you're the best conversationalist in the world. Yeah, so true. Yeah, so true. Well, I want to ask you about your emotions and you've talked about how you've kind of conquered those negative voices, that inner bully, but can you sum it up? How has mindfulness affected your emotions in your life? Yeah, I mean, emotional intelligence is something that I'm big on. And to me, it's one of those things in our broken school system that, that needs to be taught more. Um, I mean, it's, it's so important to have EQ, to be aware and in control of your own emotions, as well as aware of and being able to respond appropriately to the emotions of others. And, you know, one thing I'm always working on that anger and temper, as I mentioned, my mom had it, I had that big time early on. And it's something that I've worked on myself. Um, you heard it in my mantra, you know, taking deep breaths, making sure that I, you know, catch myself in the act. Cause people don't, you gotta look at it like other people aren't trying, they're not out to get you or hurt you. They, everybody has their own stuff going on. And you know, you have no idea what's going on through their brain. So to react to somebody else and, and let your emotions basically take over versus you being in control is something that is huge to me and it's something I'm always working on. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. Yeah, breathing's huge. Um, I, that's one I'm working on doing more of. After I do my, my mantra in the shower, I always take a few deep breaths and just sort of let it all soak in. And I'm, I'm having a moment or if something's going on and I start to get overwhelmed or ang anxious, anxiety, I'll catch myself and I'll just kind of do some breathing exercises. It sounds like you've read a ton of books and you talked about James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. Are there any other books you would recommend that can help our listeners with mindfulness? Yeah, I'm reading, I'm actually rereading Mindset right now by Carol Dweck. It's a fantastic book. And part of it is my wife and I are reading it together because our son's now four and a half and we want to make sure that we are coaching him in the right way to have that. As I said earlier, I call it the growth owner mindset in her book. She calls it the growth versus fixed or excuse me, growth. Yeah. Growth versus fixed mindset. Um, I call it growth owner versus fixed victim, but yeah, I mean, it's basically, like I said, like he's starting to use my son's starting to use words like, um, I'm stupid uh i'm the worst you hate me and i got it breaks my heart when i hear these things but that's yeah. exactly the time like now is to jump in and correct him I'm like no you're not no you're not you just you know you 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 took an action you did something that mommy and daddy have talked to you about let's let's learn from this and let's make sure we don't do it again type of thing you know versus you know sadly it's amazing to think but there's a lot of parents that would be like yeah you are you aren't you know they're mad you are stupid you're you know and Think about how that kid's going to grow up versus... Yeah, exactly. 
My last question, uh, Will, is about apps. And you have your app on your website at moremomentum.com. What's your app called? So it's called Five Core Life. It's not out yet. Um, so you oh, can okay. sign up. You can go on there and you can pre-sign up for the app um, and be notified when it's ready. But it's it's been in pre-production for two years. And I'm hoping to have it's being developed as we speak. I'm hoping with it by June, by May or June, it'll be ready. So if you go to my website, sign up, um, you'll get it. You know, when it's when it's launched, you'll get an email and then be able to download it for free. And what are some apps or even one app that you use that can help with mindfulness that exists now? So, I mean, you know, I have the Apple Watch. I'm charging it right now. It's on my charger. Um, there's a Breathe app on there. And, you know, I, I will say it, it, it actually reminds me throughout the day. They'll say, do you want to do your little breathing? And I love that. And even if sometimes I'm busy and I don't do it right then, it, it's reminding me and making me aware how important it is to breathe. And so I'll usually do it at least once or twice a day. You mentioned your wife a couple of minutes ago. What has your wife taught you about mindfulness? She's taught me a lot. She, she's a very smart woman. Um, she's taught me how important it is, but, you know, especially I'd say with the kids, you know, it, it's, it's in, I think our DNA, it's in my nature. I want my kid to be, you know, to, especially since I had such a rough childhood to not have to go through those things. And I'll catch myself kind of like overreacting or if he's not good at sports being like, come on, like you can do it. But, and she's like, no, that's not the way, you know, you don't want to push it. You don't want to force it. You want to make sure that you're, you know, staying calm and centered and remembering like we want to encourage him, but we don't want to make him feel bad. And whatever it is that he ends up branching or going out into, we want to nurture that versus trying to like steer him in the direction we want to go. Will, I have really enjoyed talking to you today. It's been it's been incredible. As we wrap it up, I just want to ask you to just give our our listeners a final word of advice about how to be content and happy and mindful in your life and be able to move forward in a positive way. Do you have a final word of advice for us? Yes. From the immortal words of Yoda, do or do not, there is no try. And basically what I'm saying there is just take action. Like don't overthink about it. Don't let your fears give you all the reasons why you shouldn't do things. Take action, learn, grow, fall on your butt, pivot, take action, learn, grow, fall on your butt. I call it getting into the success loop. Get into your success loop, get out of your failure loop. And the only way to do that is to take action. Will, thanks a lot for being on the show today. All the best to you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Bruce. This was an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. Bye now. Take care. Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening. Thanks again for subscribing and reviewing the show. Thanks for telling your friends about Mindfulness Mode. And also thanks to Erica Flint, the CEO of the Cascade Hypnosis Center, for being our valued sponsor. Erica is a terrific teacher of hypnosis, and I know that personally because I am a graduate of her program. And I'm hypnotizing people on a regular basis, helping them with weight loss, helping them 
and quit smoking, helping them with mindset blocks. Now, if you're a healer, maybe you're a coach or a therapist or a counselor, or maybe you're someone who just loves helping people, you might want to consider the powerful results that can be achieved with hypnosis. You might want to learn to become a hypnotist. And you can do that over at the Cascade Hypnosis Center.com. I will repeat that Cascade Hypnosis Center.com. Go to her website, check it out, and consider becoming a trained hypnotist with her top notch training. Now, take what we've learned today, Mindful Tribe, and reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.